Welcome to Pushback. I'm Mary Matte. Jeremy Corbyn's tenure as Labor Party leader recently came to an end. Corbyn, a staunch progressive and lifelong activist, stepped down just months after Labor's crushing defeat in the December 2019 UK elections. But now new details are emerging on how Corbyn was sabotaged from the inside. A Labor Party investigation found that top Labor officials actually tried to lose the 2017 general election in the hopes such a loss could lead to Corbyn's ouster. This faction set up a secret working group that diverted money into right-wing Labor candidates instead of Corbyn's allies. Their sabotage efforts failed at the time. With Corbyn at the helm, Labor overturned the conservative majority, posted the largest popular vote gain since 1945, and came just a few thousand votes shy of winning that 2017 general election. As Labor supporters celebrated their gains on the night of that vote, the anti-Corbyn officials inside Labor sulked. One official wrote, quote, they are cheering and we are silent and gray-faced, opposite to what I had been working towards for the last couple of years, unquote. Overall, the report concludes that a, quote, abnormal intensity of factional opposition to the party leader, Corbyn, had inhibited the proper functioning of the Labor Party bureaucracy. The report also suggests that the same people who tried to undermine Corbyn were themselves the ones who were slow to respond to allegations of anti-Semitism within the Labor Party ranks. The so-called anti-Semitism crisis inside Labor was used as another weapon to undermine Corbyn's leadership. Well, to discuss this, I spoke earlier with Asa Winstonley, a journalist with the Electronic Antifada. Asa has been a vocal critic of the allegations of anti-Semitism inside the party, calling the scandal a manufactured crisis that was used to purge the party of pro-Palestinian sentiment and to weaken Jeremy Corbyn's leadership as it did. Asa himself was caught up in the investigation and resigned from the Labor Party as a result. Asa and Stanley, welcome to Pushback. Let me start by asking you your overall reaction to this report, what it tells us, in your view, uh, about how top-level officials inside Labor view Jeremy Corbyn, and how this so-called anti-Semitism crisis played into that. Well, hi, Aaron. Uh, it's great to be with you. Uh, and uh, I think the report shows two main things overall. It's a, a huge document. I've just finished reading uh, the whole thing. Um, yesterday, 851 pages. It's incredibly turgid. Like there's a lot of repetition, a lot of um, getting into unnecessary detail. But um, it, in essence, it shows a great amount of evidence that Labour Party bureaucrats, its full-time staff, you know, supposedly politically neutral within between Labour Party's factions, were actually rabidly right wing they were from the hard right of the party um and they were adamantly opposed to jeremy corbyn from the beginning um and they worked actively to undermine him from day one uh, even going to the lengths of actually actively sabotaging the labor party's uh, general election campaign in 2017 and, and, and i saw corbyn said recently uh, it was reported that Corbyn recently said that um, he would be prime minister and he would have won the 2017 general election without the um, in attempts of the 
parliamentary Labour Party, its MPs, to undermine him. And, and I think this report gives further evidence of that. In essence, this aspect is what a lot of us knew at the time. And I was looking today back at one of my reports from 2017. Um, and uh, that's what I was reporting at the time. And some of us in the uh, online uh, left-wing media, including the Squawk Box uh, website, were reporting the same thing, that um, Labour Party staff were working actively to undermine Jeremy Corbyn. And it's really, I mean, it, so this was known, you know, it, and, and it's only, it's a shame that Corbyn didn't do anything uh, against it at the time. You know, he just eventually waited for these people to get sick and of it, uh, sick of the fight and uh, leave the party, as many of them seem to do in 2018. The second thing that it shows is uh, in also quite um, depressing amount of detail is just how much the Labour Party under both right wing and left wing uh, rule has acceded to demands by the Israel lobby, essentially, that it has um, in, indulged and embraced this uh, false narrative of Labour Party members and the left and Palestine solidarity in particular of being anti-Semitic, of being riven with anti-Semitism, of being, uh, you know, this nest of scum and villainy and of just being horrible racists. And this was a, a narrative that was used to attack Corbyn from the beginning, but increasingly came to be more and more targeted at the late, the leadership, in, at the uh, sorry, the membership in general. And you, we saw, especially from 2018 onwards, Corbyn began to uh, really accede to these um, demands. And we started to see the Labour Party membership going down. And that resulted um, last year in the defeat of Jeremy Corbyn in the general election. So it was ultimately a self-defeating strategy. It was a major... I mean, uh, there was a number of factors for the, the general election defeat, but the most underplayed one, in my view, was Jeremy Corbyn and the people around him, their mishandling of the anti-Semitism smear campaign. Um, and and there is, there's polling data to indicate. Uh, there was a major poll that came, off, came out after the general election uh, which showed that um, Labour's mishandling of so-called anti-Semitism was one of the top five reasons that voters didn't vote for Jeremy Corbyn. Because by the, by constantly apologising for anti-Semitism and saying that, oh, we've got this terrible problem in the Labour Party, um, Corbyn really undermined himself. And again, despite th this, this document, which I should clarify, was very much written by the left-wing uh, of the party bureaucracy, which eventually started to come in after 2018, um, this 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 document shows again, actually, despite itself, despite what it's arguing, the number of genuine cases of of real anti-Semitism amongst Labour Party membership it, it's 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 minuscule. You know, there's Labour. You've got to remember the Labour Party um, at one point. It's, it's gone down now, but at one point it was a party of 600,000 people. You know, this is the biggest political party uh, in Western Europe. Um, and it, it's, uh, it was a mass movement. It was a mass membership party. So, of course, people, you know, it, it reflects society at large and including the prejudices of society. So um, it's inevitable that a mass membership party is going to have some forms of racism in it. Um, and instead of conducting... Um, 
sensible, you know, education and whatnot uh, against the, such forms of prejudice, the Labour Party b- began to execute a purge of anyone suspected of the merest whiff of anti-Semitism. And that campaign spilled over into uh, a persecution of anti-Zionists. And there's prominent sections in this report on on prominent supporters of Jeremy Corbyn who were expelled or suspended from the Labour Party and actually didn't do anything wrong or say anything anti-Semitic, including people like Jackie Walker, Ken Livingstone, Chris Williamson and Mark Wadsworth. So there's two elements here. There is the hostility towards Corbyn from top officials, and then there is the role that you're talking about there about how they use this anti-Semitism, the so-called anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism crisis against Corbyn. And it's going back to 2017 to that election. And you see it in these uh, leaked uh, chat logs where these top officials are upset that Jeremy Corbyn has come so close to winning uh, Labor's highest gains in a few decades. And just something like 2,500 votes shy from actually forming a government. Uh, so just to read that is quite striking. But now you're also, but and so you're also saying though that it also actually undermines uh, the claim that anti-Semitism was a genuine crisis inside labor. So before we get into your own personal brush with that, because you were caught up in this, you were targeted by it. Um, what do you think accounts for? Why they decide? Why the people uh, inside labor and outside labor decided to make it such a big issue? And what do you think accounts for Jeremy Corbyn's failure to, you know, according to your criticism, properly push back on it? Well, um, just one point on the election stuff that you mentioned before. I, I get into that issue. Um, it's it is really that stuff is really quite astonishing. And there, there's one I, I've just written. Uh, I'm about to file an article for the Electronic Intifada about this, and it 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 does show how um, the the, the, the La- imagine the Labour Party's own staff were actively working to lose the general election for the Labour Party. And there's one part of the document which shows that there was a um, around uh, more than two, possibly more than two hundred thousand pounds budgeted um, for uh, what they were called a secret key seats target list. So in other words, these right wing bureaucrats were aiming to support um, only the right wing candidates uh, in uh, right wing MPs, uh, right wing Labour MPs against the left wing pro Labour MP, pro um, Corbyn MPs in the Labour Party who were uh, a minority uh, in any case. Um, and they, so, uh, but but something that this that the report's authors miss is that um, several of the people on this, uh, I uh, several of these right wing candidates who were working to undermine Jeremy Corbyn publicly during the general election campaign, um, included um, members of the Israel lobby, who included people who um, within the Labour Party, MPs in the Labour Party, or pers- prospective MPs in some cases, who were um, leading figures in uh, the Labour Friends of Israel and the Jewish Labour Movement, um, especially Joan Ryan, um, who was an MP, and uh, Jeremy Newmark, who was a candidate, but failed to win the seat. So um, there's no evidence of it, direct evidence of it in the report. It doesn't say who was on the, the secret key seats list. But I would imagine it would have included um, Ryan and Newmark. Um, 
So uh, as to what accounts for um, the failure of Jeremy Corbyn and the people around him to get to grips with this, it, it's a range of issues. You know, it's um, at, at the bottom, in my view, lies um, a weak analysis of the nature of Israel and the nature of Zionism. That what what it comes down to is the argument that um, th- that. Uh, Zionism can have left-wing forms, and that there are anti, there are non-racist um, versions of Zionism. But it, this this kind of analysis ignores the fact, the reality of what Zionism means for the Palestinian people. It means um, a racist state that systematically discriminates against them in law and in practice. Um, if you you know, as much as we are opposed to a white state. Uh, or Christian states, um, we should be opposed to a Jewish state as well. So um, it's 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 really a, a very weak analysis of of Zionism is what lies at the bottom of it. Also, I think there is an, is an that, aspect. What, what does that matter? What Jeremy Corbyn and the people around him might think about Zionism? I don't see actually the relevance here. It matters because. Um, of groups like Labour uh, Friends of Israel and the Jewish Labour Movement, which are Zionist groups, self-defined Zionist groups, and they are within the orbit of the Labour Party, although Labour Friends of Israel technically is not affiliated to the Labour Party, but it's certainly seen as, uh, they were seen as groups which, um, you know, are within the Labour Party. So those people were trusted by Jeremy Corbyn, the, the Labour Friends of Israel and the Jewish Labour Movement were trusted by Jeremy Corbyn and by the people around him um, and it, within the Labour Party, and they were seen as part of the Labour Party family. But the whole time, they were working actively to undermine him. They were working actively to undermine the membership, you know, And but, but he kept acceding to, to their demands over and over again. And it didn't matter how many concessions he made to them. They kept publicly attacking him, you know. So in this report, time and time again, they say they tr- the, the authors are trying to prove how much they've done to try and um, take on the views of the Jewish labor movement and even the labor friends of Israel. Um, and all the while ignoring the fact that so many allegations of anti-Semitism from these two groups were politically motivated and false. They were attacking people like Ken Livingston because he was on the left of the party, because he supported Palestinian rights. Where and 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 what are they trying to? Um, they're trying to essentially infiltrate their views, or their pro-Zionist views, into the Labour Party and to um, get them passed through and to get a kind of hegemony within the Labour Party, political hegemony within the Labour Party for these pro-Israel views. Um, under the guise of combating anti-Semitism and mixing the two things together, so that's why that's why it matters in my view. I get, I get all that. I, I'm just saying is I don't claim to know what Jeremy Corbyn's own personal view of Zionism is, and I, it seems to me immaterial. I mean, certainly we agree that the use of anti-Semitism here was totally dishonest, disingenuous, and cynical, and Jeremy Corbyn's failure to effectively push back on it and to call it out as basically a scam, I think was a huge mistake. I just, I guess I take issue with assuming that that's because Jeremy Corbyn has a soft, in your opinion, view of Zionism. 
I mean, that that seems to me part of the reason for it. I mean, I think also uh, part of the reason was just a general failure to um, and a general a, a general failure to to get to grips with it and um, a of of this manufactured crisis and um, just a general political weakness of not wanting to be attacked because it is it's a controversial area you know so when when you're being he was already in a um an isolated position you know he had very few friends especially at the beginning and still you know even towards the very all the way through um right up to the the december election until the end the pro corbyn mps in the labor party were very much in the minority you know the majority of them were opposed to him if not actively hostile and openly hostile um so he was already isolated on a number of issues um and um you know it was probably his history within the pro palestine uh, within the palestine solidarity movement it seemed eventually became an embarrassment to him which is a real shame you know i don't want to leap down someone's throat and say that they sold out but uh it does it's the record is very clear that he um he seemed to change his views or if he if um if his views didn't change he made it appear previously in the past that they were more um serious uh than than they in fact were um, i mean it, you know for example he used to be he was a uh, it wasn't just someone who would turn up for the odd demonstration you know uh of, in favor of palestine uh, palestinian rights he was um a chair the chair of um the palestine solidarity campaign you know he was what in the past he was one of very few a very incredibly small number of mps who would come to palestine solidarity campaign meetings and and meetings of other palestine solidarity groups it's changed now there are there are more who are uh, a bit more willing to come but in the past he was one of very few mps that i i've i've shared platforms with him in the past you know and then that was the the very fact that i i did that was then resurrected by um the shady uh, Bellingcat types online, um, I, I believe a year or two back to kind of an attempt to discredit Jeremy Corbyn. It's a kind of divide and rule strategy, right, of the left to try and say, well, look, uh, it's, and it's a very Israeli sort of strategy, you know, not that I'm saying everyone who did it was an Israeli, but this this is this is a, uh, literally an Israeli government strategy is is what they called uh, what the um, Israeli think tank, the Reut Institute, called driving a wedge and isolating the delegitimizers from the so-called soft critics of Israel. And that's very much what we've seen over the last uh, few well, years in the Labour Party. I got that. And I, I think it's fine to criticize Jeremy Corbyn and to, you know, identify areas where he didn't effectively push back on this and he let it consume um, the, he let, it, he let it get way too big. Uh, to the extent that he could have had any, any impact on the outcome. But at the same time, not having had in my lifetime a Western political leader as prominent as him who, you know, wears a keffiyeh in public and goes to demonstrations and marches next to banners condemning Israeli war crimes, I have a hard time, I guess, with the criticism that, it, that he abandoned his principles because I, I never saw him abandon those principles, abandon those critiques of Israel I just saw him being uh, relatively ineffect ineffective or weak in the face of a smear campaign, which to me is, 
I think, a separate issue than his commitment to Palestinian rights. I'm not sure that he abandoned his principles, but I, I certainly think that he changed. I mean, an, an activist that I talked to who knew him, uh, you know, before he became leader of the Labour Party, activist, Labour Party activists and Palestine Solidarity Campaign activists um, over the years, there was some, there was many people who I talked to who privately, you know, they wouldn't go on the record with me, but privately expressed a lot of misgivings over the the direction he was taking. Um, and um, I mean, to be honest, I was I was too far too. I was probably in retrospect a bit too easy on Corbyn. Like I should have uh, attempted to report on this a, a little bit more as long ago as 2016 or twenty seventeen. You know, he, uh, he, there would be meetings that he would no longer go to. You know, there'd be um, events, Palestine Solidarity events, especially at Labour Party conference and so forth, that he would no longer go to. And there was privately there was rumblings about this. And, and you know, I think people were very tolerant of that because they realised he was a leader of the UK's main opposition party and he had new responsibilities and he wasn't going to have time to do all the things uh, that he he necessarily wanted to do. Um, But, um, you know, I I think that people definitely um, saw a change of tack from him in that regard. And and there's there's some evidence of that in the document uh, in this report because, uh, and this is something I want to write about, uh, that I've written about, um you know how he um how he he essentially turned against ken livingston who is one of his very few um political allies within the sort of top ranks of the The labor former mayor of london that's right he was a you know a a former mp and then later the elected mayor of london the first um, properly elected um, political mayor of london um, who had an immense amount of power, and he was someone very much on the anti-imperialist left. You know, he forged links with Hugo Chavez. He was very, very um, much uh, critical of the Israeli violations of uh, Palestinian human rights, Israeli war crimes, and so forth. Um, and he was someone who, for years, was attacked by the Israel lobby and demonised as anti-Semitic when it was absolutely not true. Um, and he was a political ally one of Corbyn's few political allies, you know, he was kind of retired from frontline politics when Corbyn um, came to prominence as the leader of the Labour Party. But he still had a national profile and he had access to the mainstream media. One of only a handful of pro-Corbyn figures at that time who had access to the mainstream media. And Livingston was politically assassinated by the right of of the Labour Party in uh, collusion with the Israel lobby. Um, And... um, Corbyn did nothing, you know, he um, he really kind of um, let it happen. And, and, you know, I think a lot of us who reported on that and who were critical of that at the time and since just thought or even better wishful thinking judged that Corbyn was just too weak to, you know, he was in, he was in such a weak position um, to do anything about it. But there is some indication in these leaks that he and his office were actually pushing for the disciplinary measures against Ken Livingston to be sped up um, and that they, um, they there was negotiations between it, there's there's emails in it that very much seem to show that there was negotiations between Ken Livingston and Corbyn's office for Ken Livingston to quit the Labour Party instead of um, the, uh, the, the the Inquisition 
against Ken being uh, just continuing and dragging on and on, which is what he ultimately did. He did quit the Labour Party. And, yeah. So that's a case where you might have Corbyn and his people thinking that if they sacrifice some allies, that that might take some of the heat off of them. Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, and that is very much what happened. But the problem was that, and I think even a lot of us at the time probably thought, you know, oh well, he's in a difficult position, you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the problem with that is that there was no end to it. it. There was one person after another, and it kept the story dragging and the narrative dragging on and on and on for years and years. Yeah. You know, I kept after Ken. It was um, there was Jackie Walker, and then there was Mark Wadsworth, who hadn't said anything remotely anti-Semitic or even about Israel. Um, he was just criticising a right-wing MP who happened to be Jewish. Um, he didn't say anything anti-Semitic. And, you know, he was ultimately expelled from the party with the encouragement we learned from this document of Jenny Formby and uh, the uh, Jeremy Corbyn staff, the, his loyal staff, actually. Um, so there's, you know, there is uh, a lot to answer for in this document. Well, you know, this is where I've taken a lesson from Russiagate, where you know, sort of analogously, I was sympathetic to Bernie Sanders for peddling Russiagate, for buying into it, for going along with it, not calling it out, and going along with the impeachment sequel, even though impeachment ended up literally sidelining Bernie Sanders, not just his issues, but also sidelining him physically from campaigning in the key states of Iowa and South Carolina, because he had to be in Washington to hear Adam Schiff present his impeachment case about how we need to arm Ukraine so we're not fighting uh, Russia over here and, and idiocy like that. And I'm realizing in retrospect that given that Russiagate was in many ways uh, an effort by the Democratic establishment to blunt the appeal of Bernie Sanders, because Bernie Sanders was the obvious direction to go in after losing in 2016 to an anti-establishment candidate, that Bernie Sanders should not have given it any life and that he made a mistake on that front. So I I've come around on that issue of whether giving any inch to people who are trying to destroy you. And certainly in the case of Corbyn, uh, that lesson very much applies. So let me ask you about your own case, though, Asa, because you were caught up in this. You are mentioned in this report. Uh, you were investigated uh, by the Labour Party. Uh, talk to us about what happened to you in all this. Yes, well, um, uh, there is a whole section on me in the document, um, which... Uh, it's kind of amusing in the way, in a way that they um, thought I was significant enough to dedicate that much to me. Um, but uh, I, what what happened was um, last year at the beginning, uh, well, about a year ago now, in March 2019, I was um, suspended from the Labour Party and put under an investigation for tweets I'd written and. Uh, uh, and essentially, all, so they sent me this letter and this long list of sort of charges, um, but and 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 the list of charges were my tweets, were a bunch of my tweets. But most of those tweets were things I'd reported about, written about, and reported about. So it wasn't just like I was dashing off some tweet or some insult. I was repeating things that I'd thoroughly investigated reported on and had been fact-checked by my editors so uh, and but but they were smearing those things as anti-semitic so there's a there's a good example of that probably a really emblematic example of that in the report itself um it says that um asa was suspending following complaints 
um, including uh, that uh, he uh, calling Louise Elman Labour Friends of Israel officer Louise Elman. Now, Louise Elman is a uh, was she's now quit. She was a Labour MP from the right of the party, um, and she was the chairperson and an officer of Labour Friends of Israel. I mean, it's just a fact, you know, and that that, that was taken from their website. It, it wasn't a secret, you know. It was it was in the it was in the open, uh, and it was just an objective fact. She is was at the time uh, an officer of the group Labour Friends of Israel, um, which calls itself Labour Friends of Israel. Um, and it was salient to the point I was making in my in my tweets, which they've edited out of their report. Um, but um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just this kind of uh, smearing of people. I mean, it was emblematic. You know, what they did to me was emblematic of what they did to, to so many people. Um, and so, yeah, I was um, suspended. My membership was suspended. Um, and um, there was more than a year. Ultimately, what happened was there was more than a year of kind of I was on investigation and I was suspended. Um, and in the end, I quit because they sent me a, they sent me a whole bunch of tra- charges at a certain point, detailed things about my tweets and so forth. Um, and uh, I was called to account them for them. Well, what do you mean by this? And, and, and so on and so forth. I sent them a long 12 page document responding point by point. Um, I didn't hear anything for months. And then in, and then in February this year, I, they, I heard I, I got another letter and they just sent me a whole bunch of new charges. Some of them were repeating some of the same things. And it just the whole tone of it and what they were writing in uh, that letter convinced me and after seeking legal advice convinced me that um what they were doing was a essentially a political show trial and uh, what it was going to be a foregone conclusion that i was going to be expelled and that despite the fact they were leading me to believe that there was a process and i was going to be referred to the national executive committee and they would hear my case and so on and so forth i wasn't remotely convinced and i and i I thought i was just it was a foregone conclusion i would be expelled um and so i quit the party in protest uh, how they'd handled it including the fact that um they'd actually leaked my private data they'd leaked the fact that i'd been suspended to a hostile newspaper um and and that was the way i found out about it a reporter from an anti-palestinian newspaper the jewish chronicle um was the first person to find out about it you know i, I learned about it from her tweet um, and this was something the labor party did systematically time and time again to so many um activists over the years you know they 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 sent it out to right-wing media the fact that this person's been suspended investigated and it was it was a way to uh, and we see that uh, we see we've seen so much evidence of that. And in this the section on me in the report is quite interesting because there's evidence in it that I was absolutely right. And my lawyer was right because um, it was a foregone conclusion. And it said that um, it says in this in this report, this internal party report that um, they, the Labour Party staffers, had actually recommended to the NEC disciplinary panel that I'd be expelled. So they didn't tell that to me when they wrote to me in February. They just said, well, one of the, you know, they'll decide what to do and they have the power, they have power to decide what to do, including suspending, disciplining or expelling. But um, it, this proves that it was a foregone conclusion. 
So finally, Jeremy Corbyn recently stepped down as leader after losing the recent election. Uh, we have a whole new leadership in charge now. The new Labour leader is already talking about uh, strong support for Israel and uh, taking the so-called anti-Semitism crisis seriously. And meanwhile, just witnessing online the spats between even people who identify as supporters of Corbyn, there's a lot of acrimony. And some people who really took this anti-Semitism thing uh, at face value and didn't see it as the smear campaign that it was, and other people like yourself who didn't. I'm just wondering overall, what has all this done to the actual left in Britain? What has the impact been? And do you see a path forward for you know healing all the divisions and, and getting to a point where labor is in a position like it was with Corbyn, just literally a few thousand votes as it was in 2017, away from controlling the government? Well, that's, a, that's really big questions, Aaron. Um, I, 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 look, it's difficult. Um, essentially, what's happened in the Labour Party over the last four and a half years has been a case of divide and rule. And unfortunately, there are far too many people on the left who are in denial about a basic fact. A hostile foreign power, Israel, interfered and is still interfering in the in British democracy. That is what happened, you know. And the, the late the, the Israeli government, the Israeli state, its its embassy and its associated cutouts were involved in undermining Corbyn, in undermining the left, and in undermining the Labour Party grassroots, and essentially trying to groom it in favour of its official state ideology, Zionism. And there's just, I mean, I, I've reported on this, and there's just so many examples of it. Um, and we see now, you mentioned Keir Starmer, the new Labour Party leader. He says, I support Zionism without qualification. You know, that is, that's what he, that's his... That's his uh, ideology going forward. Let me just stop you there because you, you don't just blame Israel for uh, Corbyn's demise, though, right? Because obviously the, the, the Blair wing of the party, the neoliberals, uh, who Corbyn threatened, obviously they played a huge role in this, too. Yeah, of course. There's, there's a, there was a number of factors for his defeat. Um, but I think the, the interference of the Israel lobby and the Israeli government, often closely associated with them, was a weak area that he was unwilling to fight back against. Yeah. Like, the, the attacks of the of the Labour Party right wing um, and, and just some of these more other outlandish media attacks against him, like, he was, they said he was a Czechoslovak uh, spy, you know, for the uh, the Czech Communist Party in the past, or whatever, all this and just this kind of outlandish nonsense. There was a big difference because his press people fought back against that stuff. They denounced it and they said, you know, this is a political attack. The the, the Labour anti-Semitism stuff, he didn't fight back against it. You know, for the most part, there was a few instances here and there where there was a little bit of hope that he would or he did, like when he um, he denounced what Benjamin Netanyahu said about his, uh, 
about um, some of the things he'd done uh, at a certain point. Um, so, but uh, by and large, he kind of acceded to it. So, you know, we've got this, um, we've got this state now where you're right, like the left is really divided against itself. And this is a strategy that um, Israel has pursued to do. Yes, you're right, it's the, you know, Israel is not behind everything that happened, absolutely not. But uh, there was an, uh, a number of factors for it, for the defeat. But the polling data shows that um, Corbyn's mishandling of the issue, it wasn't just a fringe issue on the right amongst leftists fighting each other, right? It, it was one of the top five, re re top five reasons that voters turned against Corbyn because it, if he, he was constantly apologizing for the issue and it was just people, I think voters actually got sick of the issue and it was a, it was a major factor for his defeat in my view. Um, so uh, uh, about the way going forward, I don't know, uh, um, you know, I, uh, but I, I know that if the, if the left of any description wants to win in the future, they have to get to grips with this issue. And the fact is an absolute fact that um, the issue of anti-Semitism is misrepresented and f deliberately false allegations of anti-Semitism are made in order to demonize the left and divide it against itself. So um, this issue, the lessons from Corbyn's defeat are going to have to be learned if there's any hope for the future. And I, I think what you, you, the parallel you made with Bernie Sanders is really apt. And it's a really interesting uh, parallel with uh, Russiagate, which is you've done so much good work on, of course, um, that uh, he kind of acceded to this uh, Russiagate thing in the same way, in a, in a quite similar way that, you know, Corbyn acceded to the Labour anti-Semitism smears. You know, it, it, in both cases, it ultimately ended up being a self-defeating strategy. And let me say, for anybody wanting uh, proof, evidence for what Asa is talking about in terms of Israeli and Israeli lobby interference in British politics, there is a great documentary series made by Al Jazeera called The Lobby, which has undercover footage of Israeli lobbyists doing just that, uh, plotting to and trying to undermine elected politicians who are supportive of Palestinian rights and other roles uh, and other uh, means of direct interference. Yeah, that's right. You know, uh, yeah, if you, you can, viewers can search for uh, Al Jazeera, The Lobby, and there's a brilliant four-part film about all of this. It's mainly, it's it's about UK politics in general, but especially focused on what uh, Israel lobbyists and the Israeli embassy were doing to undermine Jeremy Corbyn and the Labour Party specifically. Um, and uh, there was quite a similar documentary made by Al Jazeera about the U.S.-Israel lobby, um, uh, which... Uh, which was censored. Which, yeah, which was censored. They <laughs> by, never released by, it. By, by the Israel lobby, but leaked. But leaked. Yeah, it, exactly. It was censored after pressure by the Israel lobby. <laughs> and published, and published by, but published ultimately by the Electronic Intifada. Yeah, that's why uh, we and um, others... Um, published it online uh you know you can uh, so yeah the lobby and the lobby usa two really important films uh, which show which prove so much about what we're saying and in many ways they show a bit like this leaked labor document that, that in many ways they show things that we kind of knew or suspected but it's kind of outlined there in black and white you know or in 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 living color in the case of the films and we'll link to that uh, beneath uh, this segment, as well as your work, Azo and Stanley, investigative journalist for the Electronic Intifada. Thanks very much. Thanks, Aaron.